Appreciate that, Kathy, that song. Revive the church today. Let's dismiss the young people to junior church with Mrs. Scarbello and Brother George. All right. Take your Bibles, if you would, this morning. Turn with me to the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms, chapter number 5. Psalm chapter number 5. As we begin this new year, it's a time to have a, a refocus, a redirection of our life and our thinking. And uh, how many hope that next year is better than this, than this past year, or this year coming up? Amen. Uh, a lot of good things, I believe. The best is yet to come. I think that's uh, something we need to keep in our thoughts, too. You see our new theme that's up here. i let those... Also, that love thy name, be joyful in thee. That's our theme for this year. And I pray that uh, as you think about the Lord, that it would cause you to be joyful in him. Psalm chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. Let's all stand as we read the word of God this morning. Psalm chapter 5 and verse number 1. It says, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Hearken to the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For unto thee will I pray. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee, and will look up. For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight, thou hatest all the workers of iniquity. Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing, the Lord will abhor the bloody and deceitful man. But as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy." In thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. Make thy way straight before my face. For there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is very wickedness. Their throat is an open sepulcher. They flatter with their tongue. Destroy thou them, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out and the multitude of their transgressions, for they have rebelled against thee. But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee, for thou, Lord, wilt bless the righteous. With favor wilt thou compass him as with a shield. Let's pray. Father, we... Think on this thought this morning about joy. Lord, I pray that there would be joy and rejoicing in thee. Lord, I thank you for what you have done. Thank you for uh, providing for us this past year. And Father, for the many mercies and the benefits that you load us up with daily. Father, it's a, a time to rejoice and to think of your goodness. Not just at Thanksgiving time, but every day, each day. And Lord, I pray today that you would just uh, encourage our hearts and, Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do. Pray for this message, Lord, that it would speak to our hearts and, and challenge us, Father, as we walk with thee. Lord, I pray if there's one without Jesus today that the, the simplicity of the gospel would be there before them and they would receive Christ as their personal Savior. What a difference Jesus makes when we allow him to live in our life and be in control. Father, we thank you today. and We'll give you all the praise, the honor, and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Henry Ward Beecher, an old-time preacher, made the following statement about joy. He says, the test of, our, of your Christian character should be that you are a joy-bearing agent to the world. The test of your character is you ought to bring joy to this lost, dying world. 
Another observation about joy is this. Joy is the most infallible sign of the presence of God. Our theme, as I referred to a moment ago, for 2022, let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. You know, joy is part of the fruit which the Holy Spirit gives to a person who knows Jesus Christ as their Savior. Galatians 5, and 23, For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. It's the fruit, it's the evidence of the Spirit of God working in the heart and life of a person. If anybody ought to be joyful today, it ought to be born-again Christians. We, can, we have a wonderful Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He has done so much for us in the past and daily loadeth us with the benefits. He, his love, His care, His protection, His support, all of that comes to us because of His wonderful love and who He is and His nature. In Psalm chapter 5, David shares the feelings about his great God. If you think about your God today, and hopefully the God of the Bible is your God, and hopefully Jesus Christ is your Savior. If you don't know Him, you don't understand what that's all about, I pray today that you would come and put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ. But as David talks about his God, I want you to see in verses 1 and 2 of this portion in chapter number 5, before we actually get into our message, that David looked at his God as being his king and his God. Look at verses 1 and, uh, 1 and 2. Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for unto thee will I pray. David, when he thought about his God, he, he just looked at him as being his King, the one who's in control, the one who is the great God, the one who created all of these things. Can I share with you that the God of the Bible is that God? Is he exciting to you? He said, well, Pastor, he's, you know, I've heard about him, i Folks, can I tell you something? There's a difference between knowing about God and then having a personal relationship with God. I was reading this morning my devotions. It was talking about Moses when he went into the tabernacle and he went there and God spoke to him. He went to the place of worship and God spoke to him. Do you realize God can do that for you every time you come to the house of God? If you come expecting, Moses came expecting to talk with God to meet with God. God can meet with you every day as you spend time with Him. He can meet with you every day and share with you His truth and His wisdom. David looked at this same God. He says, you are my king. You are the one who's upon the throne of my heart. You are the one who's in control. You are king, and I am your servant. He prayed to this God. The Bible says, as he begins his day, he says, My voice shalt thou hear in the morning. O Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee, and will look up. He looked up to his God, and he prayed to his God, God, I, here, here's your servant. I was talking with somebody the other day, and it was a great little thought. He said, you know what? Each day, I just come and I show up for the, to the Lord and say, Lord, here I am today. Use me. That's a good thought. Can you imagine, just like you do at work, you, you go to punch a clock, and it, when, if that clock is at 8 o'clock, you punch in at that time. Hey, I'm here. I'm ready to serve. I'm ready to do. Hey, we ought to do the same thing for God. God, you know what? I'm your servant today. I want you to be with me. I want you to guide my thoughts. I want you to guide my direction. I want you to use me for your power and for your glory and for your honor. David, that's how he was. Oh, Lord, in the morning, 
Well, you say, well, Pastor, the only, you know, and I pray, I pray this way, I pray at the end of the day. Well, that's, that's a good time to pray too. Daniel prayed three times a day. He prayed morning, noon, and night. And so, you know, when you're at the end of the day, you've, you've gone through all the struggles and you've tried to do it on your own. If you start off in the morning and say, God, you know what, I need your help to, to be able to get all the work done. I need your help to have the right thinking. I need your help to be able to be a witness to you for you today. God, I need your help today. You say, well, uh, I do that at lunchtime. Well, you've already lost a few hours. Amen? Can a few things happen between starting and, and lunchtime? Well, I tell you, you can lose your salvation almost. You know, with some of the troubles and problems that come across your way in just that short amount of time. Now, you, you that know me know that you can't lose your salvation, okay? We don't preach that you can lose your salvation because well, once you're saved, you're in Jesus Christ, and uh, there's no one that's able to pluck you out of the Father's hand or his hand. So, but I'm just teasing with you. It can have things that can get really, really rattle your cage. It's good to start, and David says, I'm going to start my day off praying to God. I'm going to pray. And then notice what he says, that he realized that his God who was holy, that evil uh, was not going to, he was not going to tolerate evil. Look at verses 4 down to verse number 6. He says, For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall, shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all the workers of iniquity. Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. That word leasing, it just means lying. Oh, some people, they lie and they say, well, you know what? We are so close to God like this. God says, well, wait a minute here. Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. Hey, those people that lie, I submit to you that God is not on your side. God's not encouraging you to lie. God doesn't want to be hanging around that. We need to evaluate all things. The Lord will abhor the bloody and the deceitful man. But notice verse number 7. David worshipped the Lord and desired God to, to guide his path. But as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy, and in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of, mine, uh, of, because of my enemies. Make thy way straight before my face. He realized that God, I need you to direct my path. I need you to help me. I, need, I want to come into, into the place of worship and worship you. That's why we meet on uh, Sunday, the, the Lord's Day. We refer to it as the Lord's Day. It's a time not just to sit and, and, and to, uh, uh, to come as a social club. It's a, it's a time to come and worship the God that we know and to worship the Lord Jesus Christ, his son. Is that why you come to worship on Sunday? I got one. Amen. Maybe more than one. Hey, that's why we ought to come to the house of God. You say, you say Pastor, well, you know what? The reason why I come to church on Sunday, I come to show off my new clothes. You know, I got some new clothes on at Christmas time. I come to show those off. So, well, I'm glad you got some new clothes. But you know what? We ought to come to the house of God to worship God. Hey, it's not about us, it's about Him. And that's the reason why it's important as we think about worshiping him and coming and showing the worship, the worth, W-O-R-T-H, the worth of our God. That's why I come to worship. That's what worship is all about, to come and to show God how worthy he is in our mind, in our heart, in our life. He is important to us. David says he desired God to judge his enemies. Verse number nine, for there is no faithfulness in their, 
in their mouth, talking about the enemies of David. Their inward part is very wickedness. Their throat is an open sepulcher. They're, they flatter with their tongue. Destroy thou them, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out of the, in the multitude of thy transgressions, for they have rebelled against thee. Now we're going to focus on what we're looking at today in verses 11 and verse number 12, particularly verse 11. But let all those that put their trust in thee, what? Rejoice. Let them that shout for joy because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. Here David encourages others to do what? To rejoice in the Lord. We ought to encourage each other to rejoice in the Lord. To rejoice in the Lord. Let me ask you a question. Are you a joyful Christian? Are you a joyful Christian? You know, there's some people, it's, it's like Eeyore. Oh, I'm happy I'm saved. You know, Eeyore, you know, the, the, uh, the yeah, exactly, uh, yeah, Pooh Bear. You know, Pooh Bear, he just, he's kind of like, whatever goes, goes. But there, there's that Eeyore that's in there, the, the, uh, the donkey. Oh, it's a happy day. I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad a tree didn't fall on my head. Yeah, you know, folks, can I tell you something as a Christian? We have a reason to rejoice. We ought not to be focusing on all the negative. Oh, goodness, there's a little negative, isn't there, in this world? But we can focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. We can focus on the goodness of God. And as David is, talk, is talking here, he's trying to get believers to get on the joyful side of the life. Perhaps you used to recall a time in your life when you used to be joyful in the Lord. I mean, you enjoyed the things of the Lord. They were fresh and they were new. And they made you happy just to be around the things of God. That's one of the things that's exciting about being around new Christians. People that really get saved. People who ask Jesus to be their Savior and they really mean it. They, 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 they hear about the Word of God and they just want to drink it all in. They want to take it all in because it's important. It's new. It's life-changing to them. But you know, sometimes, if you think about your life, you say, that, yeah, I used to be like that. But somewhere along the way, Things have changed for you. Your Christian life became a duty. Well, you know, we've got we've to go out and go soul winning. We've got to go out and, and uh, shovel snow at the church. Didn't have that problem when I was in California. Didn't have, have snow. I mean, it's kind of hard to have snow at 70 degrees, you know, and you didn't get down to 32 very often. But the issue, your life became duty and you know what? You can lose your joy when your life just becomes duty as a Christian. I remember getting out on Sunday mornings and the place I'd like to have the place always look nice and the, and, the, and the walkways out in California would be always blown off and I'd get out there before service and I'd, I'd uh, come out with a uh, blower and start blowing it all off. But you know what? It made me miserable because I'm thinking somebody should take the responsibility. Somebody should do this until the Lord spoke to my heart and said, you know what? You've lost your joy. It's become a duty. And folks, may I share with you, when you, your Christian life becomes duty, you'll lose your joy. Sometimes um, disappointments come. Troubles come along your way, and they rob you of your joy. Can I tell you, as we begin the new year, it's time for us to get back to having joy in our life, is it not? Uh, it's not too late. People say, oh, pastor, I've come down this road too long, and, and I'm, this is just the way I am. You, if you want to change... You can change by the power of Jesus Christ. Don't let the devil rob you 
So you say, well, how can we have the joy of the Lord in our life? As we look at this portion of Scripture, particularly verse number 11, we find that David mentions three things that are important. That he was trying to encourage people in this area of having joy in their life. And I want you to see as we look here in verse number 11 of chapter 5, we must refocus our trust in the Lord. We must refocus our trust in the Lord. Notice what David says in Psalm chapter 5, verse 11. But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Uh, here, David realizes that if he was going to have joy in his life, that he must have his trust, his focus, his thoughts in the Lord. The word rejoice there is samach. In the Hebrew, it means to rejoice, to make glad. Hey, it's, good. it's fun to be around glad Christians, isn't it? It's, it's wonderful to be around Christians that are glad about the things of God. Uh, each of us choose, though, where we're going to put our trust. If you hang around a person that's negative all the time, guess what? You can be robbed of your joy. But if you're around people that, that are joyful, the people that have a, a good positive outlook, guess what's going to happen? It's going to encourage you in the right things. Uh, each of us, though, have a choice of where we're going to put our trust and our faith. And David says, I'm going to help you understand something. If you want to have the joy of the Lord in your life, you need to have your focus upon the Lord. You know, some people trust in their parents. Now, I think we ought to trust parents. I think that that's good. We ought to believe that they're going to do the best for us and they're going to help us and encourage us. And I had some good parents... You know, they weren't perfect. They were, they were parents that loved the Lord, loved the things of God, tried to do their best to uh, point us, that taught me, and get good, helped to give me a good foundation so that as I went out into life that I could move forward. But my parents didn't always, uh, were not always perfect. Is there any perfect parents out here tonight or today? You say, Pastor, man, I'm the perfect, I'm the best parent. I say, man, I, there's a lot of places I fell short on. But I know one thing. I know that God's word works and I know that what God says is true and being able to encourage my children in the right way I know that it works the principles of God's word works if we will follow his word but I want to share with you a verse I think it's important because if you're putting your trust in your parents I want you to go to Psalm chapter 27 verse number 10 you know some people they just they trust in their parents and their parents, their, their whole dependency is on their parents. If their parents are walking with God, great. If their parents aren't walking with God, then they fall and falter. Well, can I tell you something? Look at Psalm 27 and verse number 10. Psalm 27, verse number 10. When my mother and my father, or excuse me, when my father, I can't read. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Can I tell you something? It sounds like someplace along the way, mom and dad are going to let you down. Someplace along the way, mom and dad will let you down. Well, you know, maybe you need, the, maybe you need a lot of money and, and for, for something to, to go on. And you say, well, you know what? Uh, you go to mom and dad, and mom and dad don't give it to you. Well, they let me down. Can I tell you something? There's going to be times that your mom and dad are not going to do what you want to do, or they may have a different thought than you. But I'm here today to tell you as you look at this, as you understand what he's saying here. He says, well, my father and my mother forsake me. My mom and my dad, you know, my, my mom and my dad, they love the Lord. They love the things of the Lord. 
But there was a point in my dad's life when my dad got kind of off track as after he lost, uh, after my mom passed away. And uh, my uh, one sister wanted me to always go and to, uh, set him straight. I said, you know what? He already knows what's right. He already knows what's, what's true. I remember one time I was meeting with a pastor in, in, a, in between uh, our, our churches, and I was meeting with him and talking with him about something, and, and we were at a Denny's, and, and we had set this place up, and all of a sudden, lo and behold, out of the corner of my eye, who did I see over here in the corner in this, in this uh, restaurant? It was my dad. My dad was smoking a cigarette. My dad gave that up years ago. I remember the battle when, he, when I was just a, a shaver, when I was just like six or seven years old. My dad decided, he came back to the Lord, decided to give up smoking. And, uh, you know, he, would, he used to smoke like three packs a day. And, and uh, my mom would help him to, to quit smoking. But during that process, uh, he would hide him under the, knee, under the seat. And so my mom would say, uh, son, I want you to go out and I want you to get my, get your, check the seats and see if there's any cigarettes underneath the seats. And so I'd go out, check and, and find the cigarettes. She said, now throw them in the trash can. And so then my dad would come to me and he'd say, uh, where am I? And he, because he had already said that he was giving it all up. And my mom would say, where are your what? Uh, nothing. That was way back when. He'd given it up for years, for years and years. But he started to go astray. He started to go off. Uh, and and, and uh, so here I am and with this other pastor in this booth over here. And I saw my dad. Hey, you know what? Whether my dad was smoking a cigarette or not, he was still my dad. I still love my dad. And I got up from my seat when I saw my dad. And here's this other pastor friend of mine. And we got, both of us got up and we went to go see my dad. You should have seen what my dad was trying to do with that that he was trying to, I was just excited about seeing him. And so um, I said, Dad, it's so good to see you, and this is so-and-so. And, and uh, you know, he didn't, he didn't make a big deal about it either. And so we just were talking, and my dad says, you know, I used to give these things up, but I just kind of got hooked back into them again. I said, I know, Dad, but you know what? The Lord can help you. Hey, you know what? When your parents might go astray, hey, if you know Jesus, you can still go right. You ought to still do what's right because it's right to do. When mom and dad forsake you, if they go off and go a different direction, hey, the Lord is still there. And your trust is, ought not to be set upon your parents to the point, you know what, if they walk with God, I'll walk with God. If they forsake God, then I'm going to forsake God. No, that's not what it's all about. When we feel like we're forsaken because we put our trust in our parents, can I tell you something? There's still the Lord that's going to be there for us. Some people trust in their parents. But you know what? Some people trust, put their trust in their family. Can I share something with you? Your family will let you down too. Joseph in, in, uh, with his brothers, remember his brothers sold him into slavery. He said, well, but I counted on my family. They were supposed to be there for me. Folks, can I tell you something? Your family will let you down from time to time. Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 17, verse number 5, and consider what God says about putting your trust in, in family and in, in man. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5, because, you know, there's a lot of people today, they, they've lost their joy because they put their trust in their family. They put their trust in their, in their parents. 
Jeremiah 17 and verse number 5, look what it says. Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart de uh, departeth from the Lord. Cursed be is the one who puts their trust in man. Folks, can I tell you something? That men, family members, will let you down. And if you put your trust and your hope in them for your joy, can I tell you something? You're going to be a disappointed person. You are going to, you're not going to have joy because you're going to focus on what they, at the time when you needed them the most, they weren't there. Hey, let that go. It's, you're not going to have your joy if you put your trust, your confidence in your family. Look what, you know, friends. Some people put their trust in their friends. As long as their friends walk with God, as long as their friends are, are with them, as long as their friends are going with them, then everything is fine. But may I share with you, your friends are going to let you down as well. Psalm chapter 41, go back to Psalm chapter 41 and verse number 9. Say, Pastor, why are you bringing up all these things? Because there's a lot of people that have their hope, have their trust in these things, and they're looking for these in these places to have joy. And if, I'm just trying to warn you this morning that as God does through his word, that if you're looking for these things to produce joy in your life, you're going to be disappointed. Psalm chapter 41, verse number 9. The psalmist is writing here, David is writing, he says, My own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. Some people believe that this was Ahithophel. He was the counselor for David. He was also the grandfather of Bathsheba. And when David had Uriah killed, which was Bathsheba's husband, Ahithophel didn't forget that. He was his friend, but Ahithophel was waiting for a time when he could strike back. Remember when Absalom, David's son, took power? And Ahithophel said, you know what? As David had fled out of the city, Ahithophel says, hey, let me take some men and I'll take care of David for you. He was just waiting for a time. And David, as he's looking at this portion of Scripture, mine own familiar friend in whom I trusted, which did eat meat, uh, eat my meat, hath lifted up his heel against me. Folks, I submit to you that friends can disappoint you. Job said in Job 19.19, 19, all, all my inward friends abhorred me, and they whom I loved have turned against me. You see, if you put your trust in your friends, and a lot of times people in their Christian life, they put their trust in their friends. If their friends serve God, then I'll serve God. If my friends don't serve God, then I won't serve God. Can I tell you something? You're going to be a miserable person. And it's not going to be long before you're going to be sidelined because you've chosen to put your trust in your friends. You've chosen to put your trust, as we said, in family. And we put your trust in mom and dad. You say, well, pastor, I haven't put my trust in any of that. I know what I'll put my trust in. I'll put my trust in my wealth. Well, Look at Proverbs chapter 23. You're in Psalm. Go to 23 in verse number 5. Proverbs chapter 23 in verse number 5. Proverbs 23 in verse number 5. Proverbs 23, 5, it says this. 
Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. Set your mind on your wealth. Well, pastor, if I just have enough wealth, if I just have enough, if I just get enough money, then, at that point, then I will be secure. Then I will have joy. You know what the devil does? It's amazing. He'll put something else in front of you. And he'll put something else in front of you. And he'll put something else in front of you that you need more and more and more and more. And you won't put your mind upon that which will bring you joy. I guarantee it. That's how the devil works. Some say, well, pastor, I'm going to put my trust in government because government will take care of me from birth to the grave. Boy, howdy. Can I tell you something? You're going to lose your joy real quick. Probably this next year when, he, when the taxes start coming out. But look at Psalm 118. Look at Psalm 118. As the psalmist here is writing, just trying to help you to get your, get your focus. To, God wants you to be a joyful Christian. But so often we put our trust in the wrong things. And so we don't have joy. Psalm 118, verse number 8. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Here, we're thinking about this idea of princes. Those that are in positions of leadership and authority. In Isaiah 31.1, it says, Woe to them that go down to Egypt for help. The nation of Israel was going to go down to Egypt, or Judah was going to go down there, because the Egyptians had, they had chariots, and they had all sorts of people that could help them. He says, Woe unto them that go down to Egypt for help, and stay on the horses and trust in chariots, because they are many. And in horsemen, because they are very strong, but they look not unto the Holy One of Israel, neither seek the Lord. That word woe is, as I've said before, is the strongest word of judgment. When you go, and folks today, when you look to the government, and you look and you say, well, the government's going to take care of all my needs, and that's going to produce joy. I'm not going to have to work anymore. I'm not going to... Folks, can I tell you something? God says judgment comes to you. Hey, if we want joy, we need to refocus our mind, not on our parents, not on our family, not on our, our friends, not on government, not on our wealth. But if you want joy, you need to refocus your thinking upon the Lord Jesus Christ. If we want joy in our life, it requires us to refocus our thinking, our attention back on him. That's what David was saying. That's what David was saying back there in Psalm chapter 5. Go back there with me, if you would. Psalm chapter 5 and verse 11. But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. If you want joy in your life, you must refocus your attention and your hope on the Lord. There's so many things that try to get our attention and try to get us to put our trust and our confidence in different things. I'm here today to tell you that if you want the joy, if you want joy, true biblical joy in your life, the joy that only comes from the Lord, you've got to get your mind focused upon the Lord. Two infidels once sat in a railroad car. They were discussing the life of Christ. And one of them says, I, you know, I think an interesting romance could be written about Christ. And the other, one's, the other one replied, you know what, you're just the man to do it. 
In fact, what you need to do is tear down the prevailing sentiment about his divinity and, and paint him as a man among men. The suggestion was acted upon. The book was written. The man who made the suggestion was Colonel Ingersoll. He was the noted atheist. The man who wrote the book, he was General Lew Wallace, and he wrote a book called Ben-Hur. How many have ever heard of Ben-Hur? Seen the movie? Pretty notable. A lot of people have seen the movie. But little note about what happened as Wallace was researching and looking into the life of Jesus Christ. As he was going through that process of constructing the life of Christ, General Wallace found himself faced with the greatest life that has ever lived on this earth. The more he studied, the more he learned of what Jesus Christ claimed, what he did, what he accomplished, it drew him to one conclusion. He said this, Verily, this was the Son of God. He became a Christian. He just studied about the life of Christ. You know, it is Jesus who brings joy to the heart. If you want joy, real joy, wonderful joy, let Jesus come into your life, into your heart. If you want joy, real joy, wonderful joy, let Jesus come into your heart. Your sin he'll wash away. Your night he'll turn to day. Your life he'll make it over anew. If you want joy, real joy, wonderful joy, let Jesus come into your heart. Folks, may I share with you today, if you want joy, and if I were to ask you, if I were to say, do you want to be a joyful, do you want to be a glad Christian? I think people would say yes. I think each of us would say yes. Can I tell you, if you're not saved, you need to have Jesus to be your heart, into your heart. He can give you a new beginning. He can give you joy in your heart like no one, nothing else can. When we get our eyes as a Christian, we get our eyes off the Lord. Can I share with you that our eyes are usually on one of three places, on things, on self, or on others. Folks, that's where our eyes very easily are shifted. And when we, our eyes shift from the Lord Jesus Christ, we lose our joy. Have your eyes been on the wrong things? Are they in the wrong direction? Look at Psalm chapter 16, verse number 8. Psalm 16, verse 8. It says, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad, and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou shalt not leave my soul in hell, neither uh, wilt thou suffer thine holy one to seek corruption. For thou wilt show me the path of life. Notice, in thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. See, God gives us the direction of our thinking. Psalms, Psalm chapter 5, verse 11, David says, you need to focus upon the Lord. Today, may I encourage you, 
As a Christian, focus on the Lord. This 2022 year can be a different year. It can be a year of joy for you. You say, Pastor, this last year has been a, a dismal year. So, so many things have gone wrong. I understand. But folks, can I tell you something? That you need to refocus your attention as we begin this new year upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Things can be better. The best is yet to come. If, if you're living as a Christian, consider the second thing, dealing with this idea of joy. We find it in, back in, John, or excuse me, in Psalm chapter 5, verse 11, that if we want God's joy, we must realize that we're not alone. The Lord is on our side. John chapter 5, verse 11, the second part of that verse, it says, Let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them. You know, that's an important part of the verse. Let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them. God defends his children. You know, the devil would like us to think, that we're alone in this world. The devil delights to, making, to make us think that there's no one who cares about us. There's no one who's standing on our side. We're doing it all alone in, this, in these dark days. But may I share with you, the devil's wrong. We have a Savior, Jesus Christ, who's always there with us. Jesus is there in the good times and in the bad. Go, to, go with me to Isaiah 43. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1 and 2. God was encouraging his people in Isaiah 43, verses 1 and 2. Look what it says. He says, But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Sheba for thee. For I am the Lord. Folks, folks, can I tell you something? That the Lord is with us through the hardest times of life. He doesn't leave us astray. He doesn't let us be by ourselves. He's there with us and for us. How wonderful that is. Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, verses 16 and 17, when he's there before Nero and he's getting ready to be executed, he says, at my first answer my first defense no man stood with me but all men forsook me I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge notwithstanding the Lord stood with me and strengthened me that by me the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion the Lord was with him everybody forsook him nobody wanted to be identified with him ah but Paul said hey the Lord stood with me Folks, you're not alone in this battle of this world. You're not alone as you're facing that, that major trial of your life. As you're looking at with your health and different things, you're not alone. There is a God who's there with you. Hebrews 13, 5, Jesus said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. David Livingston, the great missionary, statesman, and explorer, had spent 16 years in Africa but had not faced such peril as he did on January 14, 
1865. He was surrounded by hostile savages in the heart of Africa. He was in danger of losing his life, and he contemplated a fleeing in the middle of the night so he could get away. But something happened to him that night that gave him peace of mind, and he recorded it in his diary, and this is what it said. It said, felt much turmoil of spirit in prospect of favoring all, of favoring all my plans for the welfare of this great region and teeming population knocked on the head by savages tomorrow. But I read that Jesus said, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. It is the word of a gentleman of the most strict and sacred honor, so there's an end of it. I will not cross uh, furtively tonight as I intended, such, such, should such a man as I flee, nay, verily, I will take observations for latitude and longitude tonight, though they may be the last, and I feel quite calm now, thank God. You say, well, pastor, he might, be, he might be killed, and he wasn't killed that day. The Lord preserved him. Folks, may I share with you tonight, uh, today as you think about God, God is able to protect you and to keep you and to keep you going. He hasn't forsaken you. He's with you. Hebrews 13, 6. It's just so that man might boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Dear saint, you're not alone. You don't have to be afraid. Jesus is with you, and he will be your refuge in time of trouble. Turn with me to, uh, to Psalm chapter 91. Psalm chapter 91, a great portion, a great encouraging portion of Scripture in Psalm 91. It says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You say, well, Pastor, what in the world is he talking about there? When you draw close to God, and you're drawing under his, you're, you're drawing close to him, you have a personal, intimate relationship with him. He says, you're abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. God's protection. Look at verse number two. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, and my fortress, my God, and him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall uh, cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid of the terror by night nor the arrow that flieth by day nor the, for the per, uh, pestilence that walketh in darkness nor for the destruction that wasteth at noon, noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand but it shall not come nigh thee. Folks, may I share with you that you can have a confidence when you're walking with the Lord. You can have a peace. You can have joy in your heart when you're walking with the Lord. Praise God, we have a mighty one like Jesus Christ to stand with us and for us. What joy and peace it brings to our heart when we realize that our God is with us. People say, well, you know what? You're standing all alone. No, no. You have Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit. If you're saved, he's standing with you. God, uh, God in us. The hope is Christ in us. The hope of glory. 
In Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, as they were going back and rebuilding the walls of the, of the city of Jerusalem, and they come to worship the Lord, and Nehemiah, as they come together, they said unto them, Go your way and eat the fat and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto the Lord, neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. People were weeping. Well, the, the city wasn't as big. It was, it was pretty much destroyed. They had built, rebuilt the walls, and just before they had rebuilt the walls, boy, the enemy had been coming in and out and taking whatever they wanted to. But now the walls were rebuilt. God was, God was working in a mighty way, and he says, folks, don't, don't be sorry. Be joyful because of what God has done. He's with you. Folks, may I share with you today, we need to have the joy of the Lord in our heart, don't we? We need to realize that we've got a wonderful God. We've got a wonderful Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Third thing I want you to consider is this. We must love the name of the Lord. Look back at Psalm chapter 5, verse 11. Psalm chapter 5 and verse 11. But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy because thou defendest them. Notice here the last part. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. Let them that love thy name be joyful in thee. You know, we may know that there is a God without loving his name. We may know that there is a God without loving his name. Christians can be the same way. You don't need to turn there, but if you want to, turn to Romans chapter 1, verse number 20. Romans chapter 1, verse number 20. It says, For the invisible things of him, talking about God, from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things which are made, that's mankind, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Mankind can see that there is a God. People can try to deny it. They can try and say evolution is true. Evolution is false. There is a God. There is a creator. The, re the purpose of evolution is simple. Simp it's just trying to deny that there is a God who's created all things. And one day that mankind will have to give an account to that God. It doesn't change the fact there is still a God. And mankind will have to account to him for their works, for their deeds. Here in this portion of scripture... Mankind is without excuse. They know that there's a God. But notice verse 21. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain or empty in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into the image like unto corruptible man and birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through their lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. For this cause, God gave them over to their vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust toward one another. This is homosexuality. Men with men working 
with that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of the error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate, a slave mind, to do those things which are not convenient. See, mankind knows that there's a God, but His name is not sweet to their ears. They don't even want to retain the thought of God in their mind. But may I share with you to the one who wants to have the joy of the Lord in their heart, they realize that His name is precious. They hold it in a special place of importance in their life. May I share with you, there's no other name like Jesus. Jesus, oh how sweet the name. Jesus, every day the same. Jesus, let all earth proclaim that worthy name forever. Philippians 2, 9 through 11 says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Oh, I love what 1 Peter 2 says. We're going to just read there today and we're going to be done. 1 Peter chapter 2 and notice what it says. Talking about this one, this name that stands out. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 2, it says, As newborn babes, talking to Christians here, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if so be that you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but it chosen of God and precious, Ye also as lively stones or living stones are built up into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices accepted to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scriptures, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone. That's Jesus. Elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. That idea confounded means to make ashamed. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they are appointed. But may I share with you folks, to those who know Jesus, his name is precious. Folks, I hope you understand how precious Jesus is. As Christians, I hope that you look at Jesus and His name and say, boy, that's my Savior. It ought to bother you when people use the name of Jesus as a curse word. It ought to bother you. So, you know, we're just in this world, you've got to get used to it. Folks, it ought, it ought to bother you that they need to use the name of Jesus. If you're around those type of people, you ought to get up and walk out. You ought to say something about it. You say, oh, Pastor, well, you know what? They won't like it. Oh, folks, can I tell you something? We live in a day when people say, well, uh, we don't want to offend anybody. Can I tell you something? People offend us. And we want to lay down and not, not stand up for Jesus. He's our friend. He's our Savior. He's our Lord. We ought to be identified with Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if you'll be ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you, of my Father which is in heaven. Folks, let's not be ashamed of Jesus. Let's love Jesus. Let's love that name which is above every name. Do you love the name of Jesus? 
Is that name which you hold, do you hold him dear in your heart? Do you enjoy talking to others about that name which is above every name? Let me ask you today, as we think about this idea of having joy, do you want to have joy in your life? You say, Pastor, that's what I want to have in my life. Then you must focus your attention upon Jesus. Well, Pastor, I've got this and this and this and this. Listen to what I'm saying. If you want joy in your heart, you must focus your attention upon Jesus. But Pastor, not stop. Well, but I love my family. I, I understand that. But in relationship to having joy, you've got to have your main focus upon Jesus. You'll be able to love your family better if you love Jesus. Because Jesus will help you to love your family. Hey, you know what? You'll, you'll do better in your work if you'll love Jesus. Because you'll take on the principles of God's word. And God will help you to do what you cannot do in your own strength. If you'll love Jesus first. Well, I, my friends, my friends are important. You know what? You'll love your friends more when you love Jesus the way that you ought to love him. Because he, his love will pour out through you to help your friends and care for your friends. Folks, I submit to you today, we need to understand, if we want joy in our life, we need to get our eyes on Jesus. For 2022, may that be the main focus of our attention upon the Lord Jesus Christ. I want his joy in my life. If I do, then I've got to get my eyes on Jesus. I must realize that I'm not alone in this world. Jesus walks with me. No matter what your trouble is, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Our Savior walks with us. And third, we must love the name of Jesus. It's not just knowing about Jesus. It's not, that's not enough. It requires spending time with Him, sharing our burdens and our needs and our goals, then allowing Him to teach us through His Word. That's how we have joy. Pastor, I tell you what, I just wish I had a, a joyful life. You can. The potential is there. The possibility is there. David understood it, and he was trying to encourage the people so that they could have joy in their life. But I'm going to be here today to tell you, if you don't want to follow God's plan, you will not have his joy. And the, what the world has to offer will not give you joy. It might give you momentary happiness, but it will not give you lasting joy. The joy of the Lord needs to be our strength. And that only comes by walking in fellowship with him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you today that we've been able to come and to be in your house. And Lord, I pray that this new year, this upcoming year, would be a life-changing year for us. I pray, Lord, that we would have joy in our life. Lord, that we might be joyful because we love your name. Father, I pray today that we'd love the name which is above every name. Father, in lifting up the Lord Jesus Christ, we lift you up. We have a wonderful Savior. Jesus is so awesome. And Father, today I pray for those that are here. I don't know if they're all saved. I don't know if everyone knows Jesus as their Savior. But if they don't, and if they're looking for joy in their life, I know there's a place where they can find it. And that's in Jesus Christ. Father, today I pray if there's one without Christ, that they would come and put their trust and faith in Jesus today. I pray, Lord, for Christians who 
know you as their Savior, but they've lost their joy. Their life has become their duty. They've lost the joy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, today I pray that they would have that renewed once again. That they might refocus their, their thoughts upon you. How good you are. How you've been with us through thick and thin. And Lord, that we just need to love you. Father, I pray today that you'd speak to us in this invitation time. Lord, we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand. Brother Scott's going to lead us in a song of invitation. And if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I'll be down here in front. I, I pray that you get saved today. You say, well, Pastor, well, how do you do that? Well, the Bible says that you're a sinner. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I'm a sinner. The Bible says that God commended, he demonstrated his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ, his son, died for us. Jesus died, he shed his blood to pay for our sins, that we would have our sins forgiven, that we would have a home in heaven, we'd have a relationship with God, and if we will believe that Jesus died, he was buried and rose again, and ask him to come into our heart, we shall be saved. Saved from our sins, saved from hell. And praise God for the joy that he brings when we get saved. If you've never asked Jesus to be your Savior, you can come today and get saved. Let me encourage you. This could be a new beginning for you as you start 2022. If you've never done that, let me encourage you to come. Today, if you're here and you say, Pastor, you know what? My life, I'm just kind of going through the motions. Oh, folks, may I share with you? May it be today that you have a repositioning of your thoughts to get them back on the Lord. I know that there's a lot of things that try to get your mind off on other things and try to get you diverted. That's the devil. The devil will do that for you. He'll help you in that way. But you know what? There is a wonderful Savior that will give you joy if you'll just get your thoughts upon him and ask for his help in your life. For some of us, we need to do that. Re reposition our mind and our thoughts and our life today upon Jesus. Let me encourage you. you can come to the altar today and get those things right. Brother Scott's going to lead us. What page number, brother? 277. Page 277.